Would you take your Bible, please, turn with me this morning to 1 Corinthians chapter 16. If you'll hold your finger there first, though, turn to 1 Timothy chapter 6. These two passages of Scripture we will look at today. So thank you for doing that. And just, if you would, just leave your Bible open there just for a little bit. You have heard of classification MIA, missing in action. It's a casualty classification assigned to combatants, military chaplains, combat medics, or prisoners of war who are reported missing during wartime or even ceasefire. They may have been killed wounded, captured, becoming MIA is an occupational risk for as long as there have been warfare. It's interesting that during World War II, that nearly 20% of the 400,000 plus American service personnel killed in in World War II, over 20%, or MIA. Now think about that missing in action. MIA. We've all heard stories of servicemen and women that through times of combat they were never seen again, never found. Maybe even years later Remains were found on some far deserted remote location. My wife and I, a couple of years ago, were in the Nashville, Tennessee airport flying home, and there was a World War II Navy pilot that was listed MIA, and his remains had been found. They were bringing him home. MIA, missing in action. I think about our culture today, ladies and gentlemen. I think about church family as we look around at what's happening in our world, not just politically, but culturally, domestically, as it relates to families and homes. Marriages and churches and ministries. And you and I both know and can tell stories of situations we know where it seems like that the man in the situation is MIA. He's, he's missing in action. Doesn't mean necessarily that the man has deserted necessarily, or departed from his family. It could just be that the man is, is, is disengaged. He's not stepping up and fulfilling that God-given role that the Lord gave him. He's not taking his place in the home, in the family. He is not exerting the leadership responsibility and 
and, and charge that Jesus gave him. Every man in this room, if you're honest, you know what it is to feel that temptation and to feel that pull to, if not in a full bore way, go MIA to at least become disengaged, disconnected emotionally sometimes, even conversationally. How easy is it for us just to flip a switch, right? And your wife's talking to you, but in your mind it sounds more like Charlie Brown's teacher. Because your mind is a million miles away. You're preoccupied with something else that you deem more important than what she is saying. And if it's not your wife, it's your children. Have you ever, men, have you ever brought back into reality with your little child or your son or your daughter standing there pulling on your pants leg or your leg or your arm saying, Dad, 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 Dad. Whoa. How easy it is for us to tune out. To step back to disengage. And for some, to go MIA. Now none of us can change the past. And none of us are perfect. So this message this morning is not intended to be used as a bat to beat anybody. Because I need to be beaten too. None of us are lily white. None of us are perfect when it comes to being the biblical man that God's called us to be. But I sure want to under the power of the Holy Spirit of God with all that is inside of me, I want to be God's man. And He commanded that if you look in 1 Timothy 6. Verse 11 and 12. Thou, O man of God, flee these things and follow after righteousness, godliness, notice that, faith, love, patience. God says, men, I want you to be loving. (laughs) I want you to be patient. Not hot-headed, not temperamental, not egotistical, not overly aggressive, not a jerk. Be characterized by righteousness, godliness, faith, faithfulness, love, patience, meekness, the humility of Jesus. Fight the good fight of faith, God says. That tells me that this element of my life and godliness and love and meekness and patience and things such as this, that these things are not naturally exhibited. God said, this is going to be a fight. This is going to be 
tough. This is not going to come instinctive to the carnal man, the natural man. You're going to have to overcome some carnal, natural proclivities that all of us battle and all of us face as it comes to exhibiting Christ's likeness. And that's really, gang, what he's calling every man to. He's calling every man to Christ's likeness in his life and Christ's likeness in his home. Then would you notice 1 Corinthians 16, verse 13. Apostle Paul, as he is concluding this book of, to the Corinthian people, notice what he says, ladies and gentlemen. He says, watch ye. In other words, be awake, be alert, be watchful. Stand fast in the faith. Stand solid. Stand secure. Stand strong, he is saying. And then notice this phrase, quit you like men. Quit you like men. You say, preacher, what does that mean? Well, I heard one pastor preach on quit you like men, and his sermon was, if you're going to quit, quit like a man. Well, can I tell you that? If that wasn't so sad, that it would be funny. But that's not what the text means, okay? The phrase, quit you like men, literally means you show yourself... You show yourself, you prove yourself to be the man that God called you to be and that God created you to be. That's what that phrase means. It doesn't mean to quit. <laughs> no, no. Or, or, or to, well, if you're going to quit, no, no. That, that, and with all due respect, that, that's not what it means. The Apostle Paul is using these old English, or no, Paul wasn't using English, okay, that was... The King James translators are using the old English phrase, quit you like men. It, it means, hey, men, you prove yourself to be God's man. You prove yourself to be the man that God called you to be and God gave you the capability of being. You be God's man. You act like and be the man that God wants you to be. Be God's man. My admonition biblically this morning is threefold. First of all, it is to be God's man in private. Be God's man in private. The most revealing thing about you, sir, is what you are when you are alone. Who you are in private is who you really are, sir. Be a man of intercession in private. In other words, be a man of prayer. Stay close to Jesus. Pray. Pray often. Pray daily. Pray privately. Pray energetically. Pray passionately. But pray. Pray consistently. Pray for your family. But pray. Meet with God every Sir, I promise you, and I'm talking to men in this room that, 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 that hold very important vocational positions. Let me say this to you. Many of us men regularly meet with people throughout the day and throughout the week, and you have appointments here and appointments there, and you've scheduled all these appointments, and buddy boy, you wouldn't think of missing 
any one of those appointments. Why? Because you consider each one of those appointments to be important. But can I say this in love, dear friend, that the greatest appointment you and I have, men, every day is not with another salesman or not with the rep of a company or not with a customer. The greatest meeting we'll have with anybody any day is you and I meeting with Jesus early before the day gets away from us, before our mind and our spirit is overrun with worry and frustration. Oh, dear sir, meet with God every day. Being God's man means that you're going to be a man of God in private. You're going to pray. You're going to walk with God. I remember hearing Russell Williams talk about his dad, Mr. Glenn, who was a pastor in South Carolina for just a lot of years. And I asked permission to share this. Brother Russell, when he was an older teen, went through a spell in his life where he was not living for the Lord. He was rebellious. He bucked against the rules of his dad's home. He said there were many times Russell's bedroom basement and his dad would have his daily prayer time he said through the vents his dad's bedroom was right over the basement and his dad would be in there going to prayer talking to Jesus Russell would be down in his basement in his room and he'd hear his daddy praying How many of you know you can outrun a lot of things? But you can't outrun your mom and daddy praying. By his own testimony, he said it was things like that, knowing that his daddy consistently, daily, was praying and calling his name out to Jesus. God used that in his life to get a hold of him change him and to reset and redirect the very course of his life. Some of you men, dads and granddads and great granddads out there today, you're thinking, what can I do to impact others? Oh, listen to me carefully. If you miss everything else, I promise you one of the greatest things you can do to be a warrior for God is to pray and intercede for your family. Doesn't matter if the world knows you or not, but when you get a hold of God, listen, you are known in heaven. <laughs> You're making a difference. Dear friend, please do not feel like at all that your useless God doesn't have anything for you. Every one of you men is a world changer, and you can be a world changer on your knees by interceding. Be a man of intercession. Then be a man of integrity. That's what it means to be God's man in private. You not only stay close through intercession, but you stay clean through integrity. 
stay pure. C.S. Lewis said, integrity is doing the right thing even when no one else is watching. John Maxwell said, image is what people think you are, but integrity is what we really are. Will Rogers said, lead your life so that you wouldn't be ashamed to sell the family parrot to the town gossip. It's heartbreaking that 64% of Christian men report that they at least once a month view pornography. That's over six out of ten in this room. A young man's first, the average age of a young man's exposure Pornography is 11 years old. Sir, please hear me. Do not fool yourself and think that you can view that and it not affect those you love the most. It always will. Never forget that Satan is a liar. He doesn't want you to be a man of integrity in private. I'm calling on you today to be the man God called and created you to be. Be a man of intercession. Be a man of integrity. Don't lie. If you say you're going to do something, you do it. If you give a promise to somebody, you fulfill it. Especially your children. Guard your heart, sir. It's the greatest treasure you have in your heart. Don't give it away. Don't barter it. As Steve Green admonished in his song, don't trade it for pleasure. Be God's man in private. And then I admonish you, biblically, friends, be God's man. Be God's man at home, sir. When you read Ephesians 5 and 6 and Colossians 3, it begins to detail the responsibility of the man. Responsibility with his wife as a husband to love her as Christ loved the church. Responsibility for the dad as a man to parent and shepherd the hearts of his children. Husbands, love your wives. Fathers, provoke not your children, but bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. Shepherd their hearts. Really what God is calling us to do, men, is to exhibit the fruit of the Spirit at home to your family first and foremost. And I've said it before, but if I am not Spirit-filled when I'm with my children and my wife, guess what? Gentlemen, I am not really spirit-filled. You can fake it here at church, but you can't fake spirituality at home. God help me to be His man at home. 
The average length of marriage relationship in America is 8.2 years. Typically, second marriages fare even worse. Seems like today that some even Christians operate with the mentality that when the road gets tough on the matrimonial highway, you simply bail out, you hop on another road, and you hit your ride in another vehicle. We even see this in today's culture with men and their jobs. The average tenure of employment for the average man today is only 4.6 years, and it's even less with those aged 25 to 34. What does that say? That basically says that we have a hard time in our culture keeping commitments. Men, stay Stay, stay with your wife. Stay with your family. Stay in your home. Stay where God has put you. Be found in your place, at your home, with your family. Don't abandon your post. Don't get preoccupied with job, lust, life, pride, hobbies. Don't fall asleep at the wheel and become neutralized by the enemy of your soul and the enemy of your home. There's a reason Steve Farrar said that he entitled his book Point Man. He said that he began to realize as he got into ministry that Satan's aim was to neutralize the man, the husband, the dad in every home. And he said if he found that if Satan, the enemy, could neutralize the man... Exponentially, the odds were in Satan's favor of neutralizing that home. And you've seen that, and I have too. Stay engaged, sir, as the high priest of your home, as the tone setter in your home, as the main Christ figure in your home. Lead. Be positive, not negative. Maintain biblical balance even when it comes to discipline, which means that you and I are neither a drill sergeant nor are we a passive doormat turning the discipline over to our wives. That's not biblical manhood, sir. God calls us to exercise balance in our homes, and I'm speaking to men my age and younger who have children at home, who have young children for some at home, and it, do not abandon your role. Don't be swayed one way or the other toward unbiblical machoism, nor toward a passive approach to parenting. Neither one honors the Lord. Can I get a witness today? Yes, corporal punishment is appropriate, but you have to follow the biblical method in the biblical manner. That's not popular. It is outdated, but it's scriptural, ladies and gentlemen. Be God's man at home. Be who God called and created you to be at home. And then I close with this for please don't pack up. Be his man on mission. 
That means in the church. Do you see this church? Do you see this church as simply the church I attend? Or do you see this church as your church? I hear sometimes some people coming to this church for 20 years talk about, well, y'all down there at that church. <laughs> and I want to look at them and say, Hoss, I thought you were part of this. But how do you view your church? Are you standing on the side? Worship, are you standing? sitting in the stadium seats. Watching teammates down on the field. What are you doing in this church to make an eternal difference? A place where you're enthusiastically serving Right now, right now, as we meet right here this morning, we are in need of ushers, greeters, choir members, bus captains, bus drivers, security team members, men to work in kids' ministry, orchestra members. I could go on and on and on and on. You can't do everything, but you can do something. 80% of the work in any given local church is being done by 20% of the people. What does faithfulness to church look like to you? Does your definition match up with God's definition? If, if, if your attendance record at work matched your attendance record at church, would you still have a job tomorrow? Be God's man at church. Then be God's man in culture. Be on mission in and be on mission in the culture. Do you realize that God has placed you where you are to make a difference for Him? God did not give you a job or your vocational position so you can make a living. He gave you that job and that vocational position so you could make a difference. Do you realize that it is no accident that you live where you live? In the neighborhood you live in? You work where you work. You work out where you work out. You eat where you eat. You coach where you coach. There's no coincidences. They're neighbors, co-workers, friends, relatives, even total strangers. Do you realize that Jesus has put you there to leverage your God-given influence for the gospel? Are you being salt and light that Jesus has created you to be? Right where he You say, well, Christian, my job doesn't carry much significance. Oh, friend, hear me. If Jesus has placed you in that job, you are exactly where He wants you to be. Exercising your testimony for Him. Making a difference for Him. Being a light for Him. He gave you the neighbors you have to influence them for Him. Where are the men in our culture that have a true backbone of courage and character who will stand up but in the right spirit? Who will be a genuine 
godly man in Wayne County, in Goldsboro, in Rosewood, in Pikeville, in Princeton, in Sauston, Mount Olive, LaGrange. You're known by your neighbors. You're known by your community. What kind of testimony do you have? Oh, use that testimony for God. Use that testimony to glorify the Lord Jesus Christ. Be God's man on mission. So men, what really burns in your belly? It's past time for our men to get fired up about what Jesus is fired up about. As a man, get fired up about the Lord. As a husband, get fired up about your wife. As a dad, get fired up about your kids. As a Christian, get fired up about your church and the role that you play in it. Get fired up about making an eternal difference in this world as a man of God. In Ezekiel 22, verse 30, God said, I sought for a man among them that should stand in the gap and make up the hedge. Some of the saddest words in Scripture, but I found none. I didn't find a man. When 9-11 occurred, September 11th, 2001, that night, it was a Tuesday night, we had an impromptu prayer meeting right here in the auditorium. Two of the first here were two of our senior adult members, men who both had served in our armed forces and they were now in their 70s or 80s. They stood back here and they looked at one another and I knew they meant it. And one with tears in his eyes said, I tell you what it makes me want to do. It makes me want to go join up all over again. (laughs) And 9-11 had an impact like that for a lot of people. In fact, in the months, the week, the days, the weeks, and months just after 9-11, there were a quarter of a million Americans that enlisted in the armed services of our nation. You know why? Because they felt a call. They saw the need. They realized it wasn't time any longer to sit on the sidelines. And if they could do something to make a difference, then they were going to do it. They realized that the situation was dire. There was a great threat and they wanted to do something to stop it. And I say to every man in this room, it's high time that we, men of God, rise to the challenge Take our stand and stand in the gap for the Lord, for our families, for our church, and for God's great kingdom.
we're going to do something unusual right now. I, I've asked the quartet to come and sing this song. This sit in a show. Hear me. Look at me. This sit in a show. I want you to think. I want every man in this room to think and to prayerfully ponder as you listen to these words. I'm going to ask you in just a moment, I'm going to ask every man in this room to make a fresh commitment to be this kind of man. Would you bow your heads with me, please? is a willing man of God who dares to go against the grain and works without applause a man who raised the shield of faith protecting what is pure whose love is tough and gentle a man whose word is sure God doesn't need an orator Who knows just what to say He doesn't need authorities To reason him away He doesn't need an army To guarantee a win just needs a few good men men full of compassion who laugh and love and cry men who face eternity and aren't afraid to die men who fight for freedom and honor once again he just needs a few good men. Will you be that man? Will you be that man? He calls a broken derelict whose life has been renewed. He calls the one who has the strength to stand up for the truth. Enlistment lines are open yes. and he wants you to come in. He just needs a few good men. Men full of compassion who laugh and love and cry. Men who face eternity and aren't afraid to die. Men who fight for freedom and honor once again. He just needs a few good men. Men full of compassion who laugh and love and cry. Men who face 
face eternity and aren't afraid to die. Men who fight for freedom and honor once again. He just needs a few good men. He just needs a are bowed. Gentlemen, that's exactly what we need. God calling you, sir, to be His man. I want to ask you right now this morning, you say, preacher, I want to be God's man. I'm going to ask you to recommit yourself to that, dear sir. I'm going to ask you, sir, if you feel that deep down in your soul and you commit yourself and recommit yourself to being God's man, God's man in private, God's man in your home, God's man in culture, God's man on mission. I want you, sir, if you're willing to make that commitment. I want you just to stand to your feet, sir. Just stand up right where you are. Stand up and stay there. Sir, I want you to pray right where you are. I want you to pray. I want you to seek the face of God. Commit yourself again afresh and anew right now. join with my brothers we're in this fight together I'm thankful to have men in my foxhole that are fighting along with me we're fighting the same enemy for the same cause I have to have your power I have to have your leadership in my life. There's no way I can lead my wife and my boys if you're not leading me. I'll never lead this church if I cannot effectively, scripturally lead my home. Help me, Jesus, to be your man. Help every man in this room especially the ones who are taking a stand right now to be your men. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. And all God's men said,
Please be seated. Now, ladies, if you're married to one of those men that just stood, you help them. You help them. Sometime this afternoon, maybe even on the way home, ladies, you look over at your husband and you say, I'm proud of you. I'm proud to be married to you. I'm thankful for a husband that will take a stand, be God's man. Ladies, don't you dare ever think that doesn't make a difference. I'm going to tell you something, he can't do it without the Lord. But it's doubtful he can do it without your help. You understand what I mean, ladies? key role in helping your husband stay happy and holy. You can't make him holy and you can't make him be happy. Somewhere along the line, he's got to deal with himself before the Lord. Man, you are his biggest cheerleader and encourager. Let him know you're grateful for him today. Encourage his heart today. That'll mean more to him than a card and a tie. I can promise you that. God bless you.